episode of the Higher Ed Shift, Carlo sits down with Dr. Eric Dar. Dr. Dar has served as president of Harrisburg University since May of 2013. He previously served as the interim president and prior to that, consulted during the creation of Harrisburg University. Eric joined the university full-time as the founding vice president of finance and administration and has held several roles, including a member of the faculty, executive vice president, and provost. In the mid-1990s, a group of community business leaders recognized the value of integrating STEM education with economic development. Harrisburg University of Science and Technology was incorporated in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in 2001, making it the first independent science and technology-focused nonprofit university to be established in Pennsylvania in more than 100 years. Under Dr. Dar's leadership, Harrisburg University's enrollment has grown from 500 to more than 6,000 students. The university also added 33 new graduate and undergraduate concentration and degree programs. Hello, uh, welcome everybody. I'm really, uh, I'm really excited for this next session. I uh, have the opportunity to sit down with the president of Harrisburg University of Science and Technology, Eric Dar. Eric, welcome. Thank you, Carl, for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to have you. It's really great to have you. Eric, why don't you take a second, if you wouldn't mind, and just give everybody your background and you know what you've been, uh, where you've been, what you've been doing, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Happy to do that. Yes, my mother, as mothers tend to do, introduces me as, you know, here's Eric, uh, my son, he can't hold a job. Uh, and what that means is I, I, I bring lots of experiences to, uh, to the job at Harrisburg University. So I started out as a mechanical engineer and designed cruise missile engines for the Air Force, decided that wasn't my life's work and got a degree in psychology and started a business in, in training uh, that too didn't stick, uh, and then went on and, and earned an MBA and a PhD uh, at Carnegie Mellon and, and started down the, the traditional path of an academic and, and worked at UCLA as a faculty member for a number of years. Um, and uh, as my colleagues at UCLA would say, I got lured to the dark side, which means I, I went into consulting uh, and, uh, and worked at Ernst & Young for a period of time. Um, founded a management practice there, and uh, had the opportunity to move back to central Pennsylvania, where I've been born and raised, to start a technology company. Um, it was one of the world's first learning management systems companies. Um, we raised millions of dollars through venture capital and started a technology business. And through that work, got to know the mayor of the city of Harrisburg in about um, 2000, 2001. And he really had uh, was championing an idea for a new university in Pennsylvania, in the capital city, in Harrisburg, focused on science and technology. And through the year, that became more interesting to me than uh, running a struggling technology business at the time. So, um, you know, lots of different things. That one theme through all of that is is I love building things, whether it's building a consulting practice or in this case building a brand new university. Yeah, that's great. I mean, what a great background. Like what, I mean, what a, what a diverse range of experiences, Eric. Um, 
But te- so, so tell us though, right? Like, I mean, you, you mentioned that you talk with the mayor, there's this sort of germination of an idea of university, right? Like Harrisburg University of Science and Technology, I think is really kind of unique, right? How it was founded, what it was designed to serve, what its purpose was. Can you, can you tell us about it? Can you tell us about the university and how it came to be? Sure. So Harrisburg University, we had our initial class of students, uh, 73 of them, uh, in 2005. So as a not-for-profit, independent, comprehensive university, there are very, very few of those that get started, say, in the last 20 years across the entire United States um, for very good reasons. It's not for the faint of heart. It's, It's like any startup business that comes with highly regulated industry, uh, fixed costs that have to be borne by the university. Um, It's a difficult road. And um, really the call for a new university came from the business uh, across central Pennsylvania that looked ahead and saw the need for science and technology educated employees in the next 100 years. And there are great liberal arts universities in our part of Pennsylvania. Uh, There are terrific technology universities on either end of the state in Philadelphia and in in Pittsburgh. But in our part of the world, not so much uh, help for the businesses. And so really, that was why Harrisburg University of Science and Technology was created, was to serve the businesses and to educate students that might not otherwise have access to world-class science and technology education to feed the businesses of the region uh, and support their growth. Over time, the university has grown our our footprint and our expansion. We'll talk about that in a moment, but but really it was was, um, provide access, focus on science and technology programs and form really tight connections to the businesses in, in our part of the world. Yeah, yeah. Eric, maybe you can help some of the viewers out uh, for, the, for those who aren't familiar with Harrisburg or or the demography of the region, right? Like maybe you can give everybody a sense of like what that local geography is that that the university serves. Yeah. So at the time of the founding of Harrisburg University, um, the, the city of Harrisburg, the capital of the state of Pennsylvania, was the largest capital in the union across all the states that didn't have its own four-year university in the center city. Um, there's a branch of Penn State uh, that sits 25 miles outside of the um, city of Harrisburg. Uh, it's called Penn State Harrisburg, but it doesn't benefit the city as, as right. I'm sure you're aware and as many of our viewers would be aware of in terms of uh, you know, the benefit that universities have yeah. on, a, on a city. Uh, and so this was kind of really located in center city. And Harrisburg, like many cities, uh, up and down kind of the East Coast was traditionally a, a, an industrial city. Um, steel mills went out of business, um, left um, hulking buildings and torn up land. But some of it's been redeveloped. Some of it has yet to come back. And it's a population that is um, racially very mixed. Um, half the city uh, it, it is economically doing well. Half the city is is in poverty, and it's a city of a little more than fifty thousand people in the city, but in the region, which encompasses the cities of York, uh, Lancaster, uh, Carlisle, there are more than a million 
um, residents uh, in our kind of economic region of of the state of Pennsylvania. Amazing. That's uh, that that is a very. I mean, so again, like you say, right? Like you know, it's a that's a geographic region that almost begs for the kind of university offering that's here. You can see why you can see why a university like this would make sense and why it would have value. Um, man, I didn't realize that. Um, uh, so, so how have you, you know, so, so how's it going? How have you done? How, you know, what are, you know, how are the graduating classes? Uh, what are, what are the good yeah. students that are coming out? How, how have the students fared? So, so again, you know, back to our, we called them the, the pioneer class of students in, uh, 2005, those brave 73 souls and their, their families who signed up for a education at a brand new university. Um, you know, just amazing to think back to that time. Um, and, and in the year, early years, again, like any business startup, we struggled financially. We, you know, nearly went out of business, uh, probably seven years into our existence. Um, uh, we had focused traditionally and, and, and in the beginning on undergraduate education, very few graduate programs. Um, but what we did really well, even while struggling financially, was uh, hire and, and put in place a world-class faculty that, that were lured, I'll use that word, to Harrisburg and to the university with the idea and the dream and the vision of starting and building a new university. You know, a very rare privilege and an opportunity. And so we were able to attract some really, really high quality faculty, which remain with us to this day. And so we could build new programs mm -hmm. on the base of that high caliber faculty, which we did, mostly in the graduate area. And so this year, this academic year, heading into 2021, um, we'll educate more than 10,000 students. And that's bachelor's wow. level, master's students, PhD students. So through the years, you know, we've, we've added three PhD programs. We've, you know, more, almost 30 master's programs uh, in, in uh, a variety of, of now business and science and technology growing set of healthcare and health science related um, programs as well. So it's been, uh, it's been quite an expansion. We now have a, a, a campus in Center City, Philadelphia, because over the years we uncovered that almost every year we would get nearly two to 300 students out of the Philadelphia School District. And while there may be, depends on how you want to count it, 60 or 80 great world-class universities in the Philadelphia area, yeah. very few of them focused on science and technology. And even fewer looked to admit students out of the Philadelphia School District, which is a, a yeah. challenge district. And, and so students out of that district just didn't have opportunities in science and technology. And we provided an alternative. So uh, five years ago, opened a campus there and um, uh, continue to grow that as well. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, the idea that you bring the university to the people rather than have the people come to the university, right, says a lot about the demographic you serve, right? Like, I mean, you're you're serving a population that doesn't typically travel 100 miles to go to college or 50 miles to go to college, right? They they need local services. They need local resources. Um, do, do, do you place graduates in this in that same sort of local geography as well, typically? Uh, 
you know, relationships with local industry? Well, it's interesting. So we have you know, two parts of the university, the undergraduate part of the university, which is you know, traditional age, um, very challenged academically and, and economically. Uh, that's less than a thousand students. And um, those are residential students, whether here in Harrisburg or in Philadelphia. And, and as you say, some of our, many of our students out of Philadelphia, they can't afford to even travel to Harrisburg. They need to, for economic or family reasons, remain in, in Philadelphia. And, and so they complete their degrees there. Um, you know, uh, on the other side of it, we have our graduates, um, nearly 7,000, 8,000 of those that come from all over the United States, um, fly in. We do, um, kind of executive style education on our graduate programs. They're with us three weekends out of a semester. They are mostly working adults during the week, um, completing some of their coursework online and. And so they, they, you know, economically impact the city of Harrisburg and the region on the weekends when they come here. Um, but from a, a jobs perspective and a career perspective, they work in the technology hubs of the United States, whether that's Austin or Los Angeles or Silicon Valley or, you know, Seattle region or Boston. Um, but it's great for our undergraduates because then our graduate students connect our undergraduates to their employers, to right. their career paths. And so more and more over time, to answer your question, we've seen our undergraduates' opportunities and career explorations and where they get jobs um, continue to expand. I'd say it's at least mid-Atlantic, mid uh, if not broader than that right now for where our undergraduates um, yeah. land jobs. That's amazing. I mean, it really sounds like um, it sounds like the university has actually just become like this great like launch pad for again a largely local economy and for a, you know serving a largely local need, but then giving those folks uh, the ability, right, like from from a, from a job placement and from an earnings standpoint to uh, pick up and move beyond. I'm sure you don't want your Harrisburg residents to leave Harrisburg. Right. But at the same time, it probably feels pretty good to know that they can go out and have marketable opportunities, they have marketable skills that can land them jobs in almost any you know, tech region in the country. Well, and it's interesting, the, the impact that it's had on the employers here, the, because we have some several very large health insurers mm -hmm. that uh, are headquartered in, in, in Harrisburg, um, medium sized technology businesses. Um, some fairly large offices of um, some global consulting companies that that um, operate out of Harrisburg, and they have to had to step up their game with regard to how they recruit our students, particularly those that are in, uh, say, data analytics, which is or cybersecurity. Obviously, two really hot areas of employment uh, around the world. And so, the way you know it. To work at a health company versus Google, right? You have to be really good with your story about why you should work there, um, uh, and convince our students uh, of that. I mean, we now have had, you know, probably close to ten of our graduates move and work for Google. So the networks and the opportunities for our students are there um, if they want to take those. But again, back to the kinds of students that that we educate, many of them. That they just can't for family reasons. They need to find jobs um, in central Pennsylvania or in the Philadelphia region. So we'll always have 
you know, a large number of our undergraduates that that um, work uh, in our region support the companies and the expansion of of, of economic development here uh, and raise their families here. Yeah, no, that makes good sense. That makes really good sense. Um, as you were talking about recruitment, um, you know, it got me just thinking of the larger question, right? Like, how do you do it, right? Like, how do you, you know, you're you're servicing a population of students who may be coming from low income backgrounds or maybe coming from uh, jobs that are in low wage, you know, low wage positions, right? You talked about sort of the industrial artifact of the Harrisburg region. Um, do you, do you have a hard time recruiting students? Is it is it a struggle to recruit? And and while you're recruiting, I know I hate giving two part questions, but like um, you know, how, how do you help? Uh, how do you help them afford it? How do you help? Uh, how do you help students get past the financing so they can see these great degrees and these great job opportunities later on ahead? So on the uh, on the undergrad side, yes, we struggle to recruit. Remember, we're you know in a state with uh, the University of Pennsylvania has been around more than three hundred years. A little bit of a head start, you know, on building brand and. Um, Right. So we're a new kid on the block. Uh, first university in Pennsylvania created in more than 90 years. And so oh. so we struggle with brand awareness. We're also a, a career oriented institution. Um, so you don't come here to watch football games or go to sororities or fraternities. Um, and so, you know, from an amenities perspective, um, we're we don't compete uh, uh, with other universities that have right. been around and that that that's their, that's their focus, right? And right. so um, that also then helps answer the second part of the question, which is how do we make sure that our students can afford an education and have access? So, you know, but back to the recruitment. On the undergrad side, we struggle. On the graduate side, we have had years where we have more than 2,000 new students join the university in oh. a given year. Yeah. Try to grow programs and find faculty in science and technology programs, when you're growing at that pace, um, it was just an amazing uh, challenge, but an opportunity as well, because we clearly, with our graduate programs, um, are serving a market and serving a need, um, you know, that ties directly to jobs and to businesses. So it's a, you know, a little bit of a mixed mixed bag, uh, depending upon undergrads and grads, but both for graduates and undergraduates. We've not risen our tuition rate in eight years. So really? while you know people may have made news by or during the pandemic, oh, we're going to help people by not raising tuition. Great, great, yeah. Right. Don't do it for the next seven years or eight years, and then come talk to us, right? So yeah. we've not. We do a lot of things internally to keep our costs as low as possible, so that mm-hmm. we can then keep costs that we pass to our students as low as possible. Um, so in addition to trying to maintain a level of our of our tuition, um, not raise that over the years, um, over 95% of our undergraduates um, receive some form of scholarship. Um, and um, that's based on merit and on need. Mm-hmm. Um, our kind of out-of-pocket expense is about $3,500. Yes, that's $3,500 to pursue... A, gra- a degree in science and technology. So, you know, we you know believe ourselves to be you know as affordable as community college options, but with a much better career trajectory and career path with the type of degrees that you can 
pursue at Harrisburg University. Yeah, that's right. And these are bachelor's degrees, like you said, right? Correct. Like four year, these are four-year degrees that we're talking about. So right. um, that's fantastic. That's absolutely amazing. Um, do you um, do you find that your students struggle um, once they get into, I mean, so it's affordable, obviously, but again, you're you're catering to a population that that may be, you know, frequently living at the financial edge, right? They're always one one car repair bill away from popping out, right? Or one, you know, one prolonged sickness away from having to divert attention and resources to something other than school. Uh, do you struggle with that? Or do you have programs or solutions? Do you have ways to help students sort of manage the life around them as they try to like, you know, get their degree and, and work their way through the university? Well, absolutely. So we need to support our students, not just financially, but academically, mental health wise. Um, to help them as best as possible, as you say, deal with the challenges of life and, and right. family all around them. And so, you know, on the financial piece, um, we employ as many students as we can um, to, to be, you know, peer tutors, to grade, to um, help uh, in any way possible, whether that's in admissions, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether that's community service. So we partner with a number of community organizations uh, in Harrisburg um, mm -hmm. and um, you know, the food bank, for example, or handing out clothing or, you know, but in Harrisburg and in Center City, Philadelphia. And we pay our students to do that because we would rather have our students help out in those regards than, than have to work another job that takes them away from the university. So that's one of the big things that we do to provide extra cash into a student's pocket so that they can live as well as go to college. Yeah. On the on the academic side, right? You have all of the standard kinds of things, you know, peer tutoring and online help um, systems. We have systems for tracking and, and identifying from an early warning perspective students that may be in academic danger or students that aren't attending class. Yeah. Um, so that you can um, intervene quickly uh, before you get to a point where there's no return. Um, you know, we have um, mentors, uh, business mentors that volunteer to work with students um, because we have a mandatory uh, three, either three internships or two projects and an internship. So regardless of program, we believe experiential education is critical, particularly in science and technology areas. And so sophomore, junior, senior year, our students have this mandatory requirement. And so that educates students about how do you go find a job? And, and by the end, and when they graduate with us, right, they've put together a portfolio of either work that they've done, projects that they've completed, uh, computer programs they've written, uh, game assets that they built, whatever it might be, so that they go into the job market with all of these pieces, not just here's my degree or here's the courses that I that I completed, but but more than that, um, to be able to compete successfully. So those are again all of the pieces that that we put in place. Because back to probably your point about these are students that are academically challenged, life challenged. They don't have role models in their life about how do you pursue a professional job. Right. So, so we provide all of that for them. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I can imagine. And you said earlier, right, as well, too, you said you have a, I think you said a large share of like night and weekend classes as well, too, right? To sort of 
accommodate the fact that I assume most of your students probably hold down employment already as well too and have to. Absolutely. They, they, they have to, for their family reasons. And again, you build, you build schedules to accommodate that, whether that's, you know, semester schedules or weekly schedules, but the overall structure of the way the university operates to allow students, particularly if they need to take summer jobs to support their families, you know, that, that you don't force the internships into the summer or you don't force other Mm -hmm. things that make a student make a difficult decision between supporting family and education because, you know, the education is always going to take a back seat. And, and so we try to make sure that you continue, students can continue their education uh, as quickly as possible. Again, back to reducing costs while being in a position to be able to support their families. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think, I, I think your point of like keeping costs low, but at the same time, like there's this problem, there's this chicken or egg problem of like you need education to get employment, but sometimes you need the employment to like support the education. And so, you know, a lot of students are out there investing in themselves and to have that opportunity, whether it's even to do community service, right? Community service on a resume has quite a, quite a bit of incremental value. Absolutely. Uh, demonstrating commitment, demonstrating passion. Um, and we forget sometimes that getting jobs is, you know, in, in large part about skills but it's also in large part about work ethic and it's about, uh, you know, a, n- a number of other intangible factors. So being able to provide employment that's close to the university, that's integrated with the university, uh, feels like a really good way to further keep costs in check, add a little income where income can be helpful. And at the same time, like supplement some experience in there so that when the student leaves, they're not only leaving with a degree, but they're also leaving with a number of other things that sort of like stick on their resume that are going to stand out to employers as well. Couldn't have said it better myself. And oh, by the way, you're helping the communities where the university sits, right? Yeah. Which is which is also part of what I think universities should do is yeah. is help the communities to the to the best of their ability that they sit in. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, man, Eric, this has been great. This has been a what a really great inspirational story. I mean. Is, uh, is there anything else we should know about the university? Is there any big plans coming up? Any big opportunities? Anything we should, we can keep on people's radar? <laughs> well, just one, one or two things. So uh, so I look out my window and I, I get to see a giant tower crane swinging steel through the air uh, for our new $100 million health science and advanced manufacturing oh. um, education building. So manufacturing, as I indicated, was always important for our region. And so we're bringing back the next version of, of manufacturing, hopefully to central PA through advanced manufacturing education programs. Uh, and then I think you had mentioned earlier, our philosophy about taking the education to where it's needed. And we've done that in Pennsylvania, but we, Harrisburg University, have students from nearly 110 countries that oh. attend the university. And so we've become an international university really without focus on that. And so today we are focusing on it and we're opening a campus in Panama City in Panama in, uh, in this coming September. Uh, we'll offer uh, two graduate degrees, master's degrees uh, in Panama to the region, not just to, to, to students in Panama, but to the entire Latin American region. And then probably a year behind that is a campus in Abu Dhabi in the UAE to again, take our programs to, to a part of the world that really desperately needs 
the type of programs in science and technology that we offer. So we're excited about all of the expansion, both uh, here in Harrisburg uh, and as well as internationally. Yeah, sounds like it sounds like just a bunch of great things. And it sounds just like more great things on the horizon. And you kind of wish and hope that that's going to happen, because when you listen to a story like this and you hear about like how your mission and how you really have taken a challenge and a problem, which is to, again, localize world class education for um, for groups of students that could benefit the most. Right. And again, transport that into jobs everywhere. Uh, it's picked up and it's taken off. And the only way you see um, like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, you know, in what, 15 years, 17 years now, right? You're talking about- All right, yeah, yeah. So you, you've, you, you haven't just grown, you've exploded. And that's the kind of thing that I think a lot of people look at is like, that's what we hope universities do. That's what we want universities to do. And more importantly, um, you do it in a way that uh, makes it less burdensome on students, right? Because paying for college is hard. It's a long-term investment. People have to take a long road. And when you have less income and less resources, every dollar matters that you're giving away. And so being able to give to a university where you feel like you're getting an education back, you're getting all of these other sort of skills and experiences at the same time just feels like the right kind of mix. So congratulations. Like what a great story. Terrific. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, and it's, and it's to my colleagues in higher education, I would say, look, we, we operate in the same regulations that you you do, right? You know, middle states accredited, um, you know, have the same rules in the state of Pennsylvania, Department of Education, same federal education rules that everybody else in higher ed lives with. And, and yet we've created a, a structurally a different institution that serves students in a different way, as we've talked about. And so, you know, when my colleagues in higher ed say, oh, we can't possibly change, we can't possibly innovate. No, wrong. You... It, you know, there are there are lots of things you can do to, to better support students and better provide access and to continue to keep the cost of education as low as possible. So, you know, I'll just kind of end on that uh, on that note to my colleagues in higher education. So sounds like all that wandering that your mom had a problem with early on in life really <laughs> paying off in the long run <laughs> to help everybody else. So, um, Eric, this has been great. Thank you so much again for making the time. Thanks for coming. Uh, uh, to the Ship Summit and talking about Harrisburg University of Science and Technology. And uh, we'll continue to keep progress. And hopefully in, in another year or two, we'll, we'll have you back for another one of our conferences. You can tell us, uh, you know, what other countries you're going to and how many thousands of other students you've, you've helped. Uh, I, look, I would look forward to that. Thank you very yeah. much for the, for the opportunity. No, this has been great. Eric, thanks a lot. Have a great day. And uh, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll continue to follow your progress. Take care. Very thanks good. So